You're listening to The Law Firms of the Future, presented by Zero. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to another episode of The Law Firms of the Future. My name is Bernie Toledano. I'm the head of marketing at Zero and the host of this podcast. Today's guest, Helen Burness, is the director of Saltmarsh Marketing, and it can be said that she lives and breathes legal marketing. After years of working at the forefront of change in the legal industry, she is now on a mission to make purpose-led, innovative businesses in the legal industry visible, to give founders and their businesses a voice, to accelerate business growth and success, and to keep driving change in the industry. So thank you for joining us, Helen. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. No, so tell me a little bit about yourself and your background and how you ended up in legal marketing. Well, let me cast my mind back a really long time because <laughs> um, it is a long time now. And I've got quite a varied commercial background, actually. I did a languages degree and I graduated really with no other aspiration than to work somewhere or to, to find a job where I could use my fluent German. Um, and it's actually harder than you might think to find such an opportunity. So I ended up working at a language recruitment consultancy and I helped them set up their flagship international office in Frankfurt. And I worked between London and Germany, which was very exciting. And then I worked for a global technology PR media relations agency as well. So there was always this thread of working internationally. Um, and that really attracted me to the legal sector. I actively wanted to move to the legal sector because I, it was so global in nature. I sort of saw how international it was. And I also sort of saw how critical law was to the success of business. So I joined Eversheds, which is now Eversheds Sutherland. And that was on the cusp of very rapid international expansion. And I was the first member of their international marketing team. I worked there for uh, many years, about eight years, and the firm really, really grew in that time, really evolved internationally, and so did my role. I was involved in pretty much everything from big international pictures, major events, global branding projects. I headed up the Japan, India, and China business groups. Um, and I was very lucky because I traveled the world at that time in a way that wouldn't happen now because of COVID, of course, uh, but also it was, I would say it was a less carbon footprint conscious time. <laughs> so I feel very grateful I got that opportunity to, to travel the world. Um, loved working in a big global business, loved working for Eversheds because it was really a firm that tried very hard to innovate at a time where innovation wasn't really a thing. It was a, it was a great um, place to train as a marketer. Um, but I wanted to take some of that best practice and apply that in a smaller business environment. So I moved on to a progressive chambers, Hardwick. Uh, I headed up the commercial team there. And I liked that experience so much of working for a smaller business and having an impact that I moved to an even smaller business. I moved to a very dynamic new law firm, um, a startup called Halebury. And I worked there with the two co-founders to grow the business uh, and that was recently acquired by Elevate, a US law company. So I think the common thread with all of these experiences was that I was working with people in legal, with businesses in legal who were really changing the game and trying to do things differently. Um, and working with people who were looking to transform legal for the better, it, it really is my passion. So that's why I now have my own consultancy, Saltmarsh, and I work with anything from startups, scale-ups, SMEs in legal who are changing the game and trying to do things differently, but are also sometimes working with people in bigger businesses who are driving innovation and new ideas. So that is the potted history of my legal marketing career. 
No, that's a really, that's really interesting background. And uh, especially that you were able to identify that law firms have that kind of global bent uh, so early in your career. I feel like many people fall into legal marketing and uh, the fact that you uh, kind of chose it intentionally, I think contributes to why you're so good at it. Yeah, I think it was, it was interesting actually, was the international aspect more than the marketing, dare I say, that really attracted me. Um, I can actually, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can, I can relate to that. I actually had a similar story around, uh, going into legal marketing. I'd been working in, uh, risk and compliance, uh, within kind of different types of businesses and had also studied foreign languages and was attracted oh. to big law because of that. So, oh, that's uh, funny. that's a fun synergy. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, what language did you study? Does that interest uh, Hebrew, and uh, I can also speak some German, but I would, I'm not fluent. <laughs> yeah. I think if you study the language, you kind of have that real, you know, you, you buy into different cultures, you buy into different, you know, um, you know, you really buy into it and you never want to lose it. So, yeah. Yeah, very, very cool. So based on your experience in the industry and having worked with so many innovative uh, kind of legal companies and law firms, what do you think distinguishes the most innovative firms from their peers? Wow, that's a million dollar question, isn't it? Um, and it really, it really depends on what you define as innovation. You know, as we know, it's a very cliched word and it can mean different things to different people and businesses. What I'd say that, you know, innovation is, it's not about shiny new technology. It's about changing culture processes. It's about how legal services are delivered. And, and actually it's working out it's working out what even what legal services are in this new hybrid world we, we find ourselves in that we've just been talking about, actually. I think in a very general sense, the most innovative firms and businesses are those with the most customer-centric approach. Uh, and they're the firms that are really focusing on the developer so development of soft skills, like the meaningful use of empathy, both in terms of how their teams work together and when it comes to client needs. I think it's the firms and the businesses where, you know, they are working in multidisciplinary teams in a really genuinely collaborative way. And they are stripping away those silos that tend to still exist in legal. I think it's also the firms that just keep adapting and evolving and changing in line with this rapidly evolving landscape, the firms and the businesses that, that never accept the status quo. Absolutely. So what do you think law firms can learn from other industries in this respect? So I think what can law firms learn from other industries in general? I think one of my pet peeves about law firms in the past, and I think it's getting better, is that they have tended to be very siloed. And especially when it, when it comes to what I do, when it comes to marketing, I think those who work in law firm marketing can tend to move around the circuit from firm to firm. And that can lead to a lack of innovation in marketing and, and doing things differently, just repeating maybe formats that don't necessarily bring the best value. Obviously, huge like irony in me saying this as someone who's died in more legal marketer. And I'm about to do myself out of a job potentially. But um, I've personally always tried to look outside the legal silo for inspiration and to really see what other brands and businesses are doing. Um, I think when it comes to marketing, some of the best marketers I know have come from other industries where, you know, marketing truly leads the way, not the partnership, and where marketing has a very strong voice on the board. I find it quite remarkable that until 
in some firms until just recently, actually, CMOs didn't have a place on the board. Um, so I think when it comes to learning from other industries, and I'm talking specifically about marketing, I think that, you know, we can and should learn so much from other industries. So, you know, when it comes to retail, to product development and customer experience, FMCG, when it comes to customer feedback and research, I think you have to look outside the sector for inspiration and new ways of doing things. Um, looking at the brands and businesses that are leading the way in their field and adopting this and adapting this. You know, and I'm talking specifically about marketing, but obviously this comes for, for, for every area of the business as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I completely agree with you. And I think the point about legal marketing is particularly uh, well taken having worked in that context. Um, but there definitely seems to be improvement in the sense of recruiting from outside of legal and bringing new perspectives uh, onto the onto these teams. So uh, as with everything, I think it's about diversity, isn't it? I think kind of, you know, people who have the experience in the legal industry have that brilliant sector expertise, which which obviously counts you know, for so much. But I think having that diversity in a team of people from outside the sector is, is really powerful. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, kind of flipping around the marketing piece, though, how should lawyers be interacting with the marketing function? <laughs> wow. Um, nicely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We are friends. Um, I think, you know, it's really changed. I mean, certainly I've been in legal marketing now since... 2002 and it has really changed in terms of how marketing is seen I think but there is still work to be done because there is a bit of a legacy there you know that the role of marketing in any business is to be a valuable commercial partner um, a partner that accelerates growth and re revenue and there's a bit of a legacy language around marketers in law firms as being uh, non-fee earners stop it <laughs> you know don't use this term we really need to turn it on its head because the whole point of marketing is to generate leads which lead to revenue. So um, in the past, I think there's been this divide between marketing lawyers with marketing kept away from direct contact with clients and sometimes not empowered as they should be as business experts. I do think it's definitely changing. Um, you know, working on a level, truly collaborating as one team with different strengths is, is so important. The invisible lines do still exist sometimes between lawyers and marketing, and they shouldn't. Um, I would say that I've seen in the past an inclination, if I'm being very honest, for some lawyers to direct marketing. And I know as a marketer, I, I do find this frustrating because sometimes there is a bit of perception that anyone can do marketing, which of course isn't the case. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't try and be all over a huge M&A deal. So, <laughs> so why, why would you think that you can, you know, run a branding exercise? I think it's really important that, you know, lawyers respect marketers as experienced professionals who want to help them in the business grow, that they listen and work in partnership. I think that's fundamental to success. But on the reverse side of this, of course, marketing needs to evidence the value they bring to the business be totally transparent about return and results, need to shout about successes and, and evidence how marketing initiatives lead to business success. The business needs that data. And, you know, it's, it's up to the marketers to, to, to really demonstrate the impact on the bottom line. I think that makes a lot of sense that marketers, uh, in a sense, need to 
kind of step it up in that respect and uh, demonstrate how they're providing value. But lawyers also need to give them the opportunity to provide that value. Absolutely. It is, it is, a, it is a team effort. So one piece of marketing that you're particularly good at is social media. Uh, so I'd love to hear about uh, just how you approach social media and the different channels and what tips you would provide to young lawyers uh, to help them get started with building up their presence. Oh, wow. <laughs> how, how long have you got? I can talk about this. And in fact, I have talked about this for, for a very long time, only recently on a video. What, uh, what should you know about social media as a, uh, a lawyer coming into the profession? I would say embrace it. It works. It's such a powerful tool in a world where your personal brand really matters because in the legal industry, it's still a case of people buying people. We're still a relationship industry. Um, so having your personal brand out there is really important and social media is a great tool to do that. Um, there are, of course, so many plat uh, platforms. There's Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and it can be really overwhelming. So it's really working out who is your audience and focus on one platform and do it really well rather than trying to spread yourself across all of them, which will just overwhelm you to spread yourself too thin. So for legal services businesses, when I do strategies, the primary platform is usually LinkedIn. So as a legal services professional, I'd say use this platform to best effect. Um, think about you as the individual. What do you do for your clients? What makes you different to other lawyers? How do you bring value? How do you stand out? Getting that, get that shop window looking as punchy and on brand as possible for when someone clicks on your profile. And then develop your network. Make sure anyone you're working with, anyone you meet, you link in with, actively reach out to people in a thoughtful way if you see they've shared something that resonates with you. So, you know, I always say to lawyers, if you just do anything, you know, any BD in marketing, just do 10 minutes on your LinkedIn newsfeed every day and like, engage and share, you know, and do that every day consistently and you will start to see the return, you know. The key word here is social, I think. You know, social media is inherently social and it will only start to work for you, um, for B profile and BD and generating opportunities if you, if you use it thoughtfully and consistently. So, you know, there's so much you can do on there. You can share your own thought. There's a publishing platform, share posts. Make sure you comment on high-performing threads. Join relevant groups, get in discussions, get in front of new audiences. There's so much you can do on LinkedIn. Um, one of the strategies, Twitter often comes out as well as another platform. And I absolutely love Twitter. People have mixed feelings about Twitter. I absolutely love it because it's so democratised. And what it allows you to do is, you know, um, build relationships with people. So, you know without hierarchies or professional interests, professional interests, it's, uh, you can really find your tribe on there. And I think for young lawyers, the real value is in listening to the conversations and themes and what people are talking about. It's such a great listening tool. Usually I'd say other platforms, a bit secondary, wouldn't really recommend Facebook on any kind of, you know, for professional purposes. I do see some lawyers and legal services businesses more and more embracing Instagram increasing number of legal businesses on there, especially some sort of legal tech businesses. 
And the last one, of course, newest platform, really fun one, is TikTok. And I'm interested to see where this is going. I'm a big fan. I think actually lawyers who use this to create content and get their point across in a creative and fun way could, could really be onto a winner. So top tip, find the platform, work out who your audience is, find the platform which, you know, works best for them and, you know, use it well. I think that's all really sound advice. Um, and especially the, your piece about starting with one platform and really mastering that and uh, kind of preferring LinkedIn in that respect if possible. Um, you know, I definitely think trying to do too much at a time. A lot of marketers, I feel like, feel, feel pressure to yeah. Uh, yeah, have a presence on every single platform and just post the same thing across every single one. And that just uh, isn't usually very effective. So same goes for lawyers. Um, do one thing, do it well. And then once you've mastered that, uh, move on to the next thing. But uh, even though there are some kind of transferable, uh, yeah. you know, best practices, I think lawyers who really master TikTok, for example, I think have the potential to be really good at LinkedIn because um, video, video, the video format is becoming so much more popular. But that's interesting, isn't it? And I, mean, I think the interesting thing with LinkedIn is it's just it's evolving all the time so quickly it's bringing in so many new features you know it's just brought in stories for instance and you know it's uh, you know the ability to poll on there which previously was just a twitter thing so it's a platform mm -hmm. I, I feel it's it's growth has been really stable and it's just you know evolving all the time and i am starting to see real kind of you know more beta sort of you know sort of different brands on there. It's primarily been a B2B platform, but I'm starting to see some, some change in that as well. So, I mean, it's difficult for me because I love all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a real social media bore stroke geek and I love all the platforms. And I think all of them, you know, reach, you know, valuable audiences and perform different functions and allow you to create content in a different way. So I am a bore, but for a lawyer, if you're going to choose one, I would say LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, so kind of speaking of LinkedIn and just a group, an amazing group that's come together, uh, both on LinkedIn and beyond, uh, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about She Breaks the Law. Absolutely. Where do I start? Where do I start on She Breaks the Law? So She Breaks the Law was founded on International Women's Day uh, last year, 2019. Is that right? Where are we now? 2020. I've lost track of time. Yeah, our longest year ever. <laughs> it's only been six months. <laughs> I feel like you know, we've, I've aged a hundred years in the past four months. So it was a, it was founded last year, and the aim was to create a very diverse, collaborative community for women who were leading change in legal, and gave give them a very safe, supportive space to come together and connect, and learn, and share, and create. Um, Community has four strands of activity. She Connects, which is about our members developing their strategic networks. She Develops, which is uh, learning and upskilling. She Creates, which is developing new ideas and initiatives. And She Shares, which is about shining a light on relatable role models and their career journeys. Um, we often call She Breaks the Law the flame that became a fire because it started out as an idea between three women who worked in legal innovation roles in law firm in law firms for this sort of collaborative space that, that really broke down silos and enabled women in legal from diverse professional backgrounds to come together and it just took off so quickly and in 18 months has grown into this global community of over 2000 so we've now launched in 
London, Amsterdam, Sydney, Chicago, New York, Paris, Dubai, Mumbai, and we have lawbreakers across the globe. So it's, it's quite a movement. Um, and, you know, we're now at a point where we're working out how we sustain this going forward. So um, now we've become so big. We have a LinkedIn community where, I don't know if you just heard that, but that was my daughter screaming in the background. <laughs> COVID life. <laughs> we have a LinkedIn community where our lawbreakers come together. And in that forum, we can form working groups on special subjects and regions and come together and collaborate. And it's just brilliant to see how the community works as a network, you know, with people really lifting each other up and supporting each other and seeing everyone come together globally. Since, since COVID, we've really had to pivot in terms of how we run events. So we've had regular virtual coffees, we've had an Australia event, we've had coffees on the East Coast um, in the US, we've had weekly decompression and mindfulness sessions. And it's just incredible for women to be, feel part of this global movement with, with no barriers in terms of geography on role, role. It's just all women who want to keep driving change in the legal industry. And I think for, for me that the funny thing is I always had this, you know, desire, as I was talking about in the beginning, to work internationally. And that kind of started to tail off when I worked for smaller businesses because they didn't have the global spread. But in being involved in She Breaks the Law, I've suddenly got this wonderful global community um, again. And it's fantastic. You know, I wake up every morning and I've got like 10 messages from people in Australia. <laughs> so it's really brilliant to feel that you know, I'm once again getting to work international, internationally. A perfect circle there, I feel. That's great. And especially in this uh, kind of globalized virtual world that we're all living in right now, uh, it's amazing that this platform already had the space to grow for a year prior uh, so that, you know, it was ready and waiting when yeah. we were all in lockdown. Yeah, no, it has. It's been, it's been really great and, and, and really supportive. And it's wonderful to kind of, you know, be able to be empowering lawbreakers, as we call them, to just go forward and, and, and take, you know, their own initiatives forward. So the East Coast Coffees were a couple of our lawbreakers in, um, you know, on the East Coast who said, actually, we want to do a local meetup. Now um, our Sydney lawbreakers are doing the same. But, you know, we are empowering them we're sort of giving them a format and a bit of a steer but then people are, are going ahead and, and doing their own things which is which is which is great you know the, the, the idea was always to form this sort of very empowering space for women and us to support each other to do the things we want to do yeah yeah it's a it's a wonderful community um so kind of thinking about um you know, the community of lawyers more broadly, uh, what characteristics do you want to see in the lawyers of the future? Ooh, I love, I love this question because I think it's a behaviors piece for me and it's more authenticity, more humanity, more kindness, more empathy and more collaboration. I think, think Jacinda Ahern <laughs> is when I think of a role model. That's who I think of. I think in terms of behaviors, actually legal has got quite worrying legacy for what it's rewarded in the past and bad behaviors have been allowed to breed uh, and I think actually if we really rewarded different behaviors and values we could genuinely transform the legal industry so a lot of what she breaks the law about is actually sort of role modeling those very positive behaviors so on to the last question which harkens back to the name of this podcast uh, what do you think defines the law firms of the future mm -hmm. 
Um, let me just get my crystal ball out. Um, and I think it's really everything we've touched upon. I think, you know, first of all, are we even going to be talking about law firms in the future? Or will the very structure change in line with market demands? It's, you know, it's interesting to think. Um, I think what defines the most successful legal services business in the future will be the ones who, like I said, they put customer needs, customer centricity at the heart of all they do. They truly take time to listen to seek meaningful feedback on every aspect, to understand and develop what they do, to create the best customer experience. I think this is absolutely vital. And how do firms walk towards this? By using empathy, putting the customer and, and the user at the center of all they do. It will be the firms who have a truly diverse workforce who will use multidisciplinary teams and diversity of thought to keep innovating it'll be the firms who have vision like i said before the ones that never stand still um the, the firms that really care about and value their employees i think on every level and that means from supporting them through career progression to safeguarding their well-being so they secure and develop the best talent so Quite a lot there. It's not too much to ask, right? <laughs> Everyone can do this. We have to keep expectations high. Thank you so much again, Helen, for joining us today. And I look forward to continuing to see the legal industry evolve and to continuing to see and, uh, you know, hear your content. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's the place to be, Bernie. That's, that's for sure. That's what I always say. Legal is the place to be. From Zero, this is the Law Firms of the Future. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I'd also like to introduce you to the Rainmaker Podcast, created by our friends at Legalist, a tech-enabled litigation finance firm. The Rainmaker Podcast interviews top litigators at Amlaw 200 firms about how they made partner. Past guests have included Rainmakers at Kirkland and Ellis, Sussman Godfrey, and Holland and Knight. So if you're enjoying our show, you might like the Rainmaker podcast as well. So go on and give it a listen. <laughs>